Hello, everyone. Welcome into the views from the 573 podcast. Hopefully, you all are having a good day so far. We got a wild week of week one NFL action that we are going to talk about here in a minute, as well as what happened in college football week number two with a couple of interesting storylines taking shape heading into week three, which we'll tackle and we'll tackle the NFL week two as well if you haven't yet be sure to go check us out where you guys get your podcast be sure to go subscribe give us a rating review turn on post notifications for that so you'll know when a new episode drops on the youtube front be sure to go check us out at 573 podcasts be sure to go check us out we got a couple pods up there video versions as well as a few clips so be sure to go subscribe uh go like comment share with your friends all the youtube stuff so that really helps us out. And uh, I think that is everything I have to get out of the way before we get into the rest of the show. So uh, let's get into it. So let's start with some college football and talk about what happened in week number two. And let's take a look at some of the games we had picked. Uh, kind of another so-so week. It's not been great. Well, I say that. Week number two was actually pretty good, getting seven out of ten, the games that we talked about last week, right? So, not too bad, but uh, let's talk about some of them. Uh, you, of course, we had Utah Baylor, Notre Dame, NC State, Nebraska, Colorado, which we'll talk a little bit about here in a minute. A&M and Miami, we'll talk about that one. Ole Miss and Tulane, you got Iowa and Iowa State. And the, probably the big one, Texas and Alabama, and we'll talk a little bit about that one because there's two aspects I kind of want to talk about with that one. Oregon at Texas Tech, that was a really close one. SMU and Oklahoma, and Auburn at Cal. <laughs> really late game. I don't know how many of us stayed up for that one. I don't. I know the Pac-12 after dark. I know it's a favorite pastime of college football fans, but I don't know how many of us are staying up late for that. But uh, let's get right on into it. And, of course, Utah ended up beating Baylor uh, this past weekend, and uh, it was a really close game for the most part. Um, of course, Baylor the week before lost to Texas State. And we talked a little bit about them and the work they've done with the portal along with Dion. And so you're wondering, well, how's Baylor keeping up with Utah? And Utah, of course, they're still without Cameron Rising, their star quarterback. So they had some things to work through. They beat Florida the week before, but it wasn't all that pretty. Uh, it was it was a flaw of victory. Uh, kind of slowed down, played a little bit more conservative in that game. But uh, that one was a close one. Uh, Utah ended up scoring 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to get them the win over Baylor. Then, of course, we had Notre Dame and NC State. Notre Dame keeps on doing what they've been doing and just smashing teams, winning 45-24, to 24, scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter to really solidifying their victory and moving to 3 and off. Sam Hartman threw, for, threw four TDs in this game. Uh, just been absolutely on fire in his first three games within his Notre Dame career. Nebraska, Colorado. Of course, a lot of this was we talked a little bit about Colorado and the whole thing with them last week. And there's been some there was some back and forth between Nebraska and Colorado heading into this game. And it, it wasn't a high scoring affair really early. It took a while for things to Get going, to be quite honest. I was kind of wondering, okay, when are things going to pick up? And it was a different Colorado offense the week you saw before, in which 
Nebraska, you know, you got to give credit to them. They played a, a stout defense. They got Colorado on their heels. They had some penalties. They made Sanders a little bit uncomfortable at times in the pocket. And I say that despite him throwing for nearly 400 yards in this game. But uh, that you got to give props to them uh, doing pretty well. There's a couple missed opportunities for Colorado where they were in the red zone and they had their opportunities, but a couple bad plays, penalties, decisions knocked them out. And there were a couple times they had to sell for field goals. And if they didn't, then this game probably would have been a lot uh, of a wider margin of victory for the Buffaloes. But uh, they won 36 to 14 again. Shadur Sanders threw for nearly 400 yards and threw a couple touchdown passes. And that one as well, uh, 31 to 42, uh, just was completely on another level. Uh, Dylan Edwards did not have the same game he had the week before. The big star of the day, uh, as far as the receiving group, was Xavier Weaver, who had 10 catches for 170 yards. So he was a big factor on the day. Travis Hunter had three catches for 73 yards. Uh, but, you know, on the Nebraska side, they're starting 0-2 in the Matt Rule era. And Jeff Sims, I mean, he, he is not it. Was not great on the day. Had a lot of problems with turnovers and really knocked Nebraska out of a couple good spots there and put Colorado a time or two in plus territory. So this game, Colorado did not have the explosion of offense that they had the week before against TCU, but they still ended up winning by what, 22, uh, winning by three touchdowns. Um, So maybe that says a lot, but we will know uh, a lot more I think in about a week when they play Oregon and which that ought to be a fun one to get us hyped up for the Pac-12. The Pac-12, it looks like it's going out with a bang and uh, giving us uh, some fun games, fun performances before it wraps up shop and uh, before it uh, really decides to dissolve into pretty much nothingness. Uh, but Colorado win there, 22 points, 36 214 over Nebraska, and they got a game against Colorado State this week in which sorry, a piece of bulletin board material <laughs> that's out there. Texas a and Miami didn't get to watch this one as much, and a lot of that was due to the delays that were going around. A lot of weather delays this past weekend. Um, this was a game that was affected by them. I think like Vanderbilt, Wake Forest was affected by this. Notre Dame and NC State was affected by this, and so it's just like the weather is not cooperating this week. Of course, you had some storms popping up. You got some tropical storms to be concerned about. You know, some games had to be pushed back. And Texas and Miami was one of them. We didn't get to see this one on TV, but I uh, saw how it went. And I, I kind of called it a little bit too soon. I was like, oh, okay, well, no, Texas a is coming back. Well, let's see what's uh, going to happen here. And sure enough, uh, Miami ends up winning this one. And Miami, 48-33. I mean, talk about a big win for the U. With uh, It was a drastic difference than what last year's game was, where it's just like, this is not a fun game to watch. Teams are struggling to score points. So this was the inverse of that. Uh, Miami winning 48-33, and Texas A&M had no answer and you got to be concerned, I think, for AM. There was a lack of pressure uh, from what I've read that was applied to Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback. 
And that's not you want to not what you want to hear with all the five stars and four stars that you got on that defensive side of the ball that you have brought in. Uh, that's not what you want to hear. You want to hear them constantly getting after the quarterback, generating pressure, and creating mistakes. You know where potentially the secondary can create a play if quarterback is rushed, make a play. But uh, it didn't seem like that was happening too much in this game. Connor Wegman, drastic difference from the game he had before. And a lot of passing attempts from AM. 53 attempts from Connor Wegman, who threw two touchdowns, but also threw two interceptions. Uh, running game was, there wasn't a whole lot of them. In fact, Connor Wegman had five of them uh, by himself. He did have a touchdown on the ground, but he had five carries himself. And there's just like a 20, 29 total carries compared to 53 uh, passing attempts from Wegman. On the other hand, you look at Miami and what they did. Uh, they had a lot of good stuff that you really liked. Uh, forced a lot of turnovers, forced three. And then you had Tyler Van Dyke, who last year, if you remember, had a lot of hype to him. And was being talked about as a guy to potentially be on, uh, to, was on watch list for the NFL draft. And last year, kind of, the talk of that kind of simmered down and how he performed and how Miami performed. This should really help his stock, I think, as far as I don't know if he's going to get to where people thought he was going to be last year. But going 21 of 30 for 374 yards and five touchdowns and to no picks, that could get a, get you back in a lot of people's good graces about what they think about you as a potential NFL prospect at quarterback. Uh, running game, not a whole lot on the running game, just like there's a lot of passing in this game. Uh, Xavier Westro. The was the leading receiver for this group, had six catches for 126 yards. The big play receiver that got all the touchdowns pretty much from Van Dyke, he got three of them, was Jacoby George, who had three of them. He had five catches and three of them were for touchdowns. Uh, that's pretty efficient. So he had himself a good day. And overall, the U had itself a good day. Uh, and, uh, of course, one thing to be concerned about is Cameron Kinchin's who went out, scary scene, seemed to be doing really well at the last I heard. Um, so hopefully he is good to go and is all right and safe, healthy, and all that good stuff. Uh, but the U ends up getting the win there, 48-33. to 33. So let's move on to the next game that we have up here, and that is Ole Miss at Tulane. Uh, this was a sneaky, fun one. Went with Tulane on this one, and Ole Miss getting the victory in this one. This one was a fun non-out-of-conference game uh, to talk about last week and seeing how it played out on the field. Quinshawn Junkins, you know, has got a lot of preseason hype and hasn't done all that well for Ole Miss so far. You know, he wasn't leading the leading rusher in this game, I believe. In the first two games, he's averaging around 53, 54 yards per rush. He had 48 yards in this one. Didn't have a touchdown, but uh, his longest run was 12 yards. Only had 2.7 yards per carry. So it's it's been a rough it's been a rough sledding for him uh, so far in this early season. But Michael Pratt, the uh, the quarterback from Tulane, did not play in this game. So that left Kai Horton in here to be the quarterback. Not a great efficiency, 15 to 37. I mean, I'm not great at math, but I know that's not really great as far as completion percentage. Uh, Jackson Dart did have himself a good day. 
27, 276 yards. Did have a pick, but threw for a couple touchdowns as well. Was a second-leading rusher for the Rebels as well. And really, the defense, there was a big fumble. I remember it was 27-20, and I, I think it was I was watching you know, Tennessee and uh, Austin P. I was flipping back, and I saw it was like 27-20 at that point. And then uh, I flip back to Tennessee Austin P. Then I flip back to this one, see what's going on. And I think it, it was just the aftermath of Ole Miss having that huge fumble recovery in the fourth quarter to really kind of push them ahead and winning 37-20. Score 20 of their points in the fourth quarter to really kind of push them ahead. Tulane only scoring three points in the second half. And so Ole Miss gets the big out-of-conference victory against the Green Wave there as uh, they, uh, I'm sure, he are heading on to SEC play. I think they are – I forget who they're playing this week. And so, I, all right, who are they going to play this week? Okay, no, no, no. They are playing Georgia Tech. So that would be a – that's going to be a out-of-conference game too against a Power 5 opponent, although it should be a, a victory for Ole Miss. The real test for them will start uh, next the next couple weeks, really, in SEC play with Alabama and LSU. So, uh, I mean, have fun with this. I mean, it, their September is tough. Tulane was probably not an easy test despite the score. Alabama and LSU to close out September, that's going to be rough. But uh, LSU, about uh, Ole Miss, they move on to uh, – to, Ole Miss moves on to 2-0 and for the season. Now let's head on to what do we have up here next? Is it uh, okay? It's Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa ended up winning that one, and of course they've had the whole score thing uh, to be concerned about with the Brian Friends and you know in the offense there and scoring more than twenty five points per game. I think they did that this game, so good for them as uh, they knock off Iowa State. Then let's say Texas and Alabama for last because that's obviously the game I think we should talk about here. Uh, Oregon at Texas Tech. This one was a close one. Uh, Texas Tech gave Oregon a battle for a lot of this game and only beat the Red Raiders by eight points. It's kind of the same uh, score line in the fourth quarter as Ole Miss and Tulane where Oregon scored 20 of their points in the fourth quarter and really gave them the victory. And there's a huge fumble uh, return that really kind of hurt Texas Tech and was taken back, and that really kind of sealed the deal for Oregon and getting the win there, 38-30. to 30. Uh, Tyler Show, who played at Oregon, uh, was the leading passer and rusher for the Red Raiders. Four touchdowns is great, but a couple bad turnovers. Uh, he had two fumbles in this game. One was lost. Just a bad game for him in turnovers against his old team. Bo Nix, on the other hand, really good game from him. 32 of 44, 359 yards and two touchdowns. Troy Franklin had himself a day in the receiving group of Oregon. 103 yards on six catches and a touchdown. And yes, the Oregon defense made a lot of plays, forced a lot of turnovers on this Red Raiders defense. Got their offensive ball back a lot of different times. And that can really help out an offense. But, I mean, if you got an offense as explosive as Oregon, you got to be worried about it. <laughs> you can't give them more possessions. But uh, Oregon ends up winning that one 38-30. Really exciting game there 
in Lubbock, Texas. SMU and Oklahoma. And of course, Oklahoma was coming off the 73-0 drumming of Arkansas State the week before. I'm sorry, A-State fans, if I reminded you of that. But Oklahoma, SMU, but uh, Oklahoma, they get the win here 28-11. to Oklahoma end up putting up 14 points in the fourth quarter to win by 17. And really the leading passer of the day was Preston Stone. Dylan Gabriel, uh, on the other hand, was even though he threw for four touchdowns, 19 of uh, 27, 176 yards. But, you know, the four touchdowns, we'll give him that. So Oklahoma moves on to 2-0. SMU moves to 1-1. One and one. Then Auburn at Cal, kind of a, you know, Pac-12 after dark. Not a whole lot of scoring in this one. And Auburn winning this one and beating Cal in a battle of Pac-12 versus the SEC. But let's talk about this one. Texas at Alabama. This is the game to talk about. The Alabama losing this one. And kind of shocking because of how we it, how early it is that Alabama and Nick Saban has an out-of-conference loss. I believe this is the first time it's happened, or one of the first times it's happened in the Saban era. And you know, losing this game, in which received a lot of hype, as it should, Texas being on the fringes of being a top-10 team, ranked at 11th, or ranked now 11, rather, and uh, going into Tuscaloosa to face the Alabama team that, Looked pretty solid the week before against it was against MTSU, but you know, still. Um, so really hot game. And let's talk about the you know, couple of aspects for you. And let's start with Texas first. Um, give all the credit to them. They played the more fiscal game in this in this battle between Bama, in which it's kind of weird to say that another team played more fiscal than Bama, you know, given the history of how Saban and Bama has been built on being physically tough and just showing that in in each and every game, uh, just showing how physically and mentally tough they are. And this one, uh, they were not. Texas was the more physically imposing team, and it really showed with uh, how they played in, on offense and defense. Defense got after Milrow a little bit, shut down the run. Even though Bama, as a team, ran for over 100 yards, McClellan only 45 yards on the ground. Milrow only 44 carries on the ground, 44 yards on the ground. Uh, Roy Dell Williams had 12 yards on the ground. It, it just, they shut down that Bama running game. And we'll get into a little bit more about this Bama team, but I mean, just no big time guy back there in this rushing attack to step it up. But, you know, again, give credit to Texas. Their defense has got a lot of dudes on that, on that defensive line and on that defense as a whole. And they shut down this Bama running game. And it, they also forced a couple bad decisions from Jalen Milrow, in which he had a couple interceptions in this game. And then you take a you take a look at the offense side ball. Um a lot of guys stepped up. Of course, you have Xavier Worthy, you know, big speed threat. He had himself a touchdown. Uh Adonai Mitchell who is the Georgia transfer. He's had big moments against Bama before and getting back to that national championship game a couple years ago. And he had three catches in this one. Two of them were touchdowns and he had seven, eight yards. The tight end, Jatavian Sanders, was a big-time difference maker. Made a couple big-time plays, had a big 50-yard catch in this game and had himself over 100 yards, 114 yards and f with five catches. The big talk, though, I think has got to be Quinn Ewers because we know who 
the likely top two picks are going to be with Caleb Williams and Drake May in next year's draft. But who is that third quarterback? And uh, there's been a lot of talk about Ewers, and his talent level is unquestionable. He's got a lot of talent. That arm talent is insane. But just hasn't been able to put it all together. And we saw moments and glimpses of this against Bama last year. And, of course, he had the injury and didn't get to find out anything after that. So this is a huge game for them, for him as a barometer to see, could he do this against somebody like Alabama on the road? And, yes, we know that Bama isn't, uh, at least, again, we'll get into more of that later, what they once were, but that's it's still a huge test on a national stage. And he answered the call. 24 of 38, nearly 350 yards. <laughs> you know, it's just a yard short. Through three touchdowns, no interceptions. Did really well. Commanded the offense really well. Found his open receivers. Found his star receivers, pass catchers. And really had himself a good game to maybe kind of cement himself as that QB3 in the upcoming draft, should he declare. And I imagine he would. Uh, with Arch Manning on his heels. But I think this game, man, what a game from him. He needed to have this game, and he had it. And really, it's helped Texas get back to being, and they're ranked in the top five this week. And, you know, we talk a lot about, is Texas back? I think maybe the question should be, is Texas, from year to year, is Texas going to be elite this year? Yeah. And right now, with this win against Bama, I think you can say within two games, they are. We will have to see how the rest of the schedule plays out. But early on, they look like a really elite team this year. And just shutting down Bama the way they did uh, with the running game, forcing a couple turnovers. Milrow wasn't really efficient. Uh, he was 14-27. and 27, So that's nearly 50% for his completion percentage. So... Give props to Texas. They went into Tuscaloosa and they did something rarely anybody does. The last team that did it was the Joe Burrow LSU team. So it's been a minute and, you know, it's an out-of-conference game at the moment, you know, and it could really set up a fun, nice little rivalry type of thing between Texas and Bama as Texas heads into the SEC. So uh, th this is a big one for Texas and one they absolutely needed to have. This is one Bama need to have too. Uh, but I think you can argue Texas need this a little bit more. Now for the Bama side. Got to be a lot of questions you need to ask yourselves. Uh, we knew about the quarterback situation, and we knew it was going to – it took a long time for Saban to name somebody. And, you know, brought in Buckner after spring practice, uh, after the spring game. And, you know, there's really no separation created there. And Melrose was named the starter. And you thought, okay, the MTU, MTSU game looks okay. Let's see how he looks in the Texas game. And, yes, he did throw for 255 yards and two touchdowns. But, again, he had himself a couple picks. Wasn't really efficient uh, with passing the ball. Again, 14 of 27. Uh, not what you want to see. But there's also a lot of sacks on that Texas defense. There. Counting them up, there's two, three, four, five, five sacks that uh the Texas defense got on uh 
on Alabama. And looking at Alabama's defense, there was no sacks from this Alabama defense. And what you got guys like Dallas Turner, who you think is going to be a top pick in next year's draft, uh, did not have himself all that great day and had no sacks. It's just uncharacteristic from what you see out of a Bama defense. Um, after after seeing how they've performed all these years, not seeing that, it's kind of weird. Um, so this looking at Bama, I mean, you don't know exactly about the quarterback situation. There's no star running back to really take the reins of that running game. And then with the receiver group, I mean, yes, Jermaine Byrne had himself a a good play with that touchdown. Uh, Nip Black had himself a, a decent game. Kobe Prentice was the leading receiver, but there's just no guy here on this Alabama offense to really elevate this team on that side of the ball. And on defense, maybe you can make the same case. You would hope Dallas Turner would be that guy. Kool-Aid McKinstry can be that guy. But the Alabama defense, I mean, no, getting no sacks, again, it's so uncharacteristic of an Alabama team that's loaded constantly with with four stars, five stars, just how talented they are. And they got no sacks. They were not able to generate pressure on Ewers and get to them. It really didn't force them into any mistakes. Again, he Ewers had no fumbles, you know, lost in that game. He had no interceptions. So a lot of questions for Alabama heading into week three here, and they're going to play South Florida on the road. So I imagine they'll get the win there, but they need to get stuff figured out before Ole Miss uh, with that game in a couple weeks. They need to get stuff figured out for that one. Because if not, I mean, who knows? Can we have a three-loss Alabama season? It's kind of crazy to think about, but – you take a look at Alabama's schedule. I mean, Ole Miss, they look, you know, pretty good for the most part. And uh, they went to Tulane line again, got that huge road win. But, I mean, they can look at the rest of the schedule. They got Ole Miss uh, on the 23rd. They got Mississippi State, A&M on the road. Those are two, t- those are two road tests. Arkansas, then you got Tennessee at home on the third Saturday in October. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, with Alabama's schedule, could they have a three-loss season? It's kind of weird to say that, but I think with how Bama's built this year, maybe it's not so weird to say that. There's nobody on this team. There's no Bryce Young, no Jalen Hurts, no Mac Jones, no Tua, and there's nobody at wide receiver like Devontae Smith, Judy, Waddle, uh, Jameson Williams, nobody, and there's nobody in that running back room. Whether it's somebody that's Derrick Henry like, or you know, there's nobody on this Alabama offense that's a huge time difference maker. And you're going to have to count on Jalen Milrow to make plays, I think. And I don't know. It, it's still up in the air. So the questions I think we had about Bama in the preview, I think they're starting to come to light a little bit. And they came to light in this game. But, you know. Again, props to Texas for what they were able to do in this one. So, I think with that being said, let's move on to week number three and talk about a few games that we have going on here. 
So let's start with LSU and them going to Mississippi State. Of course, LSU got the win last week against Grambling. And they're heading to Starkville for a big-time matchup to start SEC play for them. And you hope that none of the issues that popped up here in the Florida State game a couple weeks back show up against Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a different team than what we've seen out of them the last few years. Team that likes to run the ball. Will Rogers has not thrown the ball a whole lot in the first couple games for Mississippi State. And Marks, the running back, is the leading rusher in the SEC uh, with 250 yards and three touchdowns. Maybe Will Rogers is able to expose this LSU secondary because we saw them get exposed in the Florida State game. Maybe that happens again in Stark Vegas. Maybe maybe it happens again. We'll have to see. I will pick LSU here. They're a favorite, but I think Mississippi State plays them tough. You know, strong running game, uh, aggressive defense. I think that could really help out Mississippi State in their favor. But I still will go with LSU here. I think it's a close victory, but uh, it's a victory nonetheless. The line is nine and a half, but I think, you know, State could cover that. Um, so give me LSU here uh, to win a close one and Starkville and uh, start off SEC play with a win for them. Next up, we have Penn State and Illinois. And I was joking with Peter about this in the group chat. And uh, this is uh, going back to a game you don't want to remember. This is one of them. You know, if you remember the, the epic masterpiece that was the nine overtime game between Penn State and Illinois. Um Talk about a, a classic, and it's a classic between uh, those two programs. And uh, hopefully we get a good sequel this week. Who knows? Maybe we get 10 overtimes. <laughs> um, but uh, Penn State at Illinois, they should win this game. They should. But as we as we know from hearing Peter talk about them on this pod numerous times, with James Franklin, anything is possible, good or bad. Um, so we'll have to see. Uh, they they are 14 and a half point favorites. I'll stick with Penn State here, but you know, just that little bit of you know what what Peter said throughout the pod on the throughout the years, you know, it you know, some of it's coming back to light. So, uh, I'll pick Penn State, but I mean, if James Franklin and company get up to some weird stuff, don't heck shocked. Um, but Penn State here, I think, over Illinois. And I don't think we'll get as many overtimes as that one. Although, I mean, it it would it would be a great sequel. Kansas State at Missouri. Um, Mizzou, close win against MTSU, and that's probably not what you want to hear if you're a Mizzou fan. Um, man, Rebecca went to this game and pretty much hurt as much from uh, from them uh, with that game. And they got Kansas State. Of course, last year we we talked about on the. Uh, SEC preview with Mizzou. Kansas State beat Mizzou pretty bad last year, but Mizzou gets them at home this year. Maybe the defense can help them out. You know, Kansas State is has lost a couple of star players from a year ago, but they have a lot of receivers here recently that have been able to make plays. I believe there's been four different receivers throughout the first two games that have had 100-yard games. And so there's a that's promising if you're a Kansas State fan uh, and you hope that Howard can get things going on the offensive side of the ball. 
and for Mizzou, you hope Brady Cook can get things going with Mizzou's defense. And, you know, I'm kind of shocked about the line here. Three and a half. Um, over under is 47 and a half uh, as far as the total point spread. So for Mizzou, I think you got to hope that Brady Cook has a really good game. The offensive line is able to step up and your star receiver, Luther Burden, is able to really step up and kind of help you out on offense, can help Brady Cook out. I will go with Kansas State, though. Uh, you know, I don't know if uh, Rebecca's going to like hearing this, but, you know, maybe, maybe it's a like, yeah, we're probably going to lose this game, but I don't know. But I'll take Kansas State here. Uh, again, I don't think that game against MTSU would have given me a lot of confidence heading into this upcoming weekend. South Carolina at Georgia, another SEC game that's going on. And I believe I saw the line. I was like, man, that's a <laughs> that's a pretty big line. Georgia, 27.5-point favorites. Um, South Carolina got back uh, in their fans' good graces last week with a win, moving to 1-1 one and, one and having a big-time matchup in Athens, Georgia. And... You know, Georgia, they've kind of struggled out the gates a couple times in like the first and second quarters. And, you know, it hasn't been pretty, but they have won those first two games by substantial margins and have moved to 2-0. and So I expect them to win this one. I do think South Carolina will try to bow them early on. I think Georgia will be able to do enough to win and win pretty handily and move on to 3-0. This is a big one for South Carolina. It could be a really big one, uh, considering the end of their season that they had last year. Uh, I'm going to go Georgia here to win this one and move on to 3-0. and Moving on to Minnesota at North Carolina. ACC versus Big Ten matchup here between two unbeaten North Carolina is ranked 20th this week. And the line is in favor of them by seven and a half. You know, Drake May, not a stellar start. He's thrown for 477 yards and two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Hasn't been all great for him in that regard. The running game, though, has been really good for them. And Hampton, the running back from North Carolina, 271 yards on the ground and five touchdowns. So that can really help out with them. You have to hope if you're Carolina that this is a game that Drake May really steps up and is a game where he just has those insane stats that you saw from a year ago. And, you know, I think that'll be the case here with Carolina. I think they get the win here, uh, seven-and-a-half-point home favorites. I think May put has a big game here. He really gets Carolina going here on offense, gets himself going for this season. So I'm going to take the Tar Heels, and I'm going to go with UNC here to win this game uh, it against Minnesota. Who knows? Maybe P.J. Fleck will row the boat and Minnesota will get the win here, but I will go with Carolina here. Washington at Michigan State. Of course, Michigan State, they're in the headlines for the wrong reasons, and a lot of that is due to Mel Tucker with the stuff going on uh, with him. And uh, we'll have to see how that situation gets resolved. He is suspended right now, and uh, Mark D'Antonio, I believe, is going to help out with Michigan State's going forward. So it's not what you want if you're Michigan State, if you're Sparty and those players that have to go through this and, you know, just have to deal with this situation that's just – obviously it's not great for what's been going on with that situation, but not great for the players too and having this 
uh, happened really early on in the season. I guess if you if at any point you want it to happen early on, so you you know you go about the rest of your season, but uh, it's not great. Uh, so Washington heading to East Lansing, and Michael Penix Jr. has been outstanding so far in this early part of the season. Eight touchdowns and one pick, thrown for eight hundred fifty nine yards. They're sixteen and a half point road favorites, and uh, I do like the Huskies to go on the road and get a win over their fu- uh, future Big Ten rival, maybe. Well, maybe not rival, future Big Ten colleague, you know. <laughs> so I will take the Huskies to win this one. If you got Peacock, it's going to be on theirs. <laughs> Have fun with that. Um, but Washington, I will take them to win this one and beat Sparty. Next one up, Tennessee at Florida. Now, let me tell you guys a couple things. Uh, right, Actually, about three things right off the bat with this one. Uh, of course, with how Tennessee played against Austin P last week, not what you want to see. I don't put it all on Milton. I do put some of it on the receivers. And there are some balls that were easily catchable. I can think of one right in my head where Milton's rolling to his left. Those are right on the dot. And it should have been caught. Ends up being dropped. So I don't know what's going on here. They did have a player meeting, and you're like, well, hold on. Player meetings and player-only meetings early on in the season are not a good sign. And in, tennis, in past Tennessee history, that's been the case, except one time. I can think of about it happening during one time in Butch's era in which they did turn things around, have a good rest of the season, and that kind of carried on over. I think it was in the 2015 season, and it carried on over into 2016. But uh, other than that, normally it, those aren't good <laughs> to have early on in, in the season. But from what's been said, you know, it's just kind of like getting on the same page. Like, hey, we're going to ho- hold ourselves accountable. That wasn't the best game. Let's get things right and move on forward. So I don't think it was anything like, you know, any kind of stress early on. But, uh, you know, two things normally happen uh, with with these types of meetings. Uh, one case, it could be, you know, bad execution. Let's clean things up. Let's get things ready to go. We're playing a rival this week. Let's go. And usually you hope that's the case. Uh, and the other is just like, hey, something's going on here. Let's try to, you know, get get things figured out. Uh, so it wasn't just like anything going on. I think it's just, you know, let's work on execution, clean things up, and let's get things going. You know, it wasn't easy going last year. Uh, you know, the Pitt game, there's some th- things that I know it's a little bit different because Pitt, Power 5 program, Austin P, OVC program, FCS. And maybe it, it, took a, it took a little bit of time last year to get things going for them, and so maybe that could be the case this year. But a couple other things with this one. I think I've read that in the past when Tennessee and Florida when they played and Tennessee's been ranked they're 5 and 0 oh. I, I believe that's a stat there's something out there that's a stat where Tennessee's 5 and 0 oh, and I believe that's it the other stat i saw was that when Tennessee and Florida play on let's see what's the date they are playing on let's pull out the old calendar here and they are playing on September 16th when they have played on se- September 16th Tennessee's 0-5. And I think the most recent time was 2017 with a Felipe Franks Hail Mary that 
I hate I just brought back up and now I'm going to get that out of my mind. So there's two stats. One is 5-0 in Tennessee's favor. One's 0-5 against Tennessee. I think a couple things we are going to find out here for them is, is this running game real? The running game has been really strong with Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, Dylan Sampson so far. Especially Wright, he's been performing really well. Hasn't had any touchdowns, but is, I believe, the second-leading rusher in the SEC. And then the defense. Yes, it's been against meh programs, but there's been a lot of good signs. I believe they lead the nation in sacks and they're second in tackles for loss. So I think this is going to be a game to find out, is this defense real? Is it for real or not? And from all indications, with the talent and the depth that's been presented in these first two games, it seems kind of that way. But this will be the first real game we'll find out if all that stuff is going to be real. And, of course, Florida, they're coming off that Utah game a couple weeks ago where they just looked awful. And then they played McNeese State, got a good bounce-back win. And so you're going to have to shut down, if you're Tennessee, their run game with uh, Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne and uh, make Graham Mertz force him into a couple mistakes here. Can't have a, a couple penalties like you did last week and where you got pressure and the quarterback underthrew it and was able to get a pass interference called. Um, Tennessee is six and a half point favorites here. And another thing, they have not won at Florida since 2003. So you know what? Screw it. I think another streak gets broken. They broke streaks last year. I think they break another one. I'll take Tennessee here. I don't, I'm going to feel uncomfortable during it. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, I'll take my team here to beat Florida. BYU at Arkansas. This one was a fun one last year with uh with Arkansas going to Provo to take on the Cougars. And so, of course, I think this one should be a fun one as well with this one heading to Fayetteville. And, you know, I think I, I have a lot of faith in K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. So I think their power running game with them together, I think, can get them a win here at home. That should really help out the home crowd here. I believe this is also a night game as well, so the crowd's going to be amped up in Fayetteville. And uh, so I will take Arkansas here to beat BYU. TCU at Houston. Uh, battle between Texas team, uh, Texas teams, of course, TCU uh, having a rough start in the first game against Colorado, but uh, got back a win last week and is facing a Houston team that's also one and one and looking to bounce back. TCU is a road favorite. They're seven and a half point favorites on the road. And so that might not be a good sign for Houston. Of course, this is a big 12 game uh, with both these teams. I think I'll take TCU here to get back on the right track, get back to some winning ways and get to a over 500 record. So give me the Horn Frogs. Then, we have Pitt and West Virginia. The backyard brawl. Last year's backyard brawl was pretty fun. I believe it was the week before the Tennessee Pitt game, but I think it was week one. This one's going to be week three, a couple weeks later. I think this should be a lot of fun as well. I, I hope it's as lot of fun as it was last year. Um, I think it, uh, you know, it would benefit us all to have a game as fun as it was last year. West Virginia, they are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. So at Morgantown, they have they're catching the points here. And you know what? I think I'll take the Mountaineers here. 
to win the backyard role. They lost it last year to Pitt. Probably feel like we should have had that. So I'll take West Virginia to win this one at home. Now let's move on to the NFL and talk about some of the stuff going on there. So those that are that don't care about college football, here you go. We're talking about some NFL now. And talking about what happened in week number one. And, of course, we had the Lions and Chiefs in that one. No Travis Kelsey. No Chris Jones. And the Lions end up going to Arrowhead and being the Chiefs. Talk about a statement win uh, early on for the Lions and going to the defending champions home and knocking off the Chiefs and just showing, like, hey, we are, we're here. We are somebody that, that you guys should take in consideration. Like, hey, we are here. And they won by one point, 21 to nothing. The running game didn't enough. David Montgomery nearly 75 yards on 21 carries. Jameer Gibbs got some snaps and looked pretty good. But, you know, give props to the Lions. They went to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs 21 to 20. And it really kind of showed, like, you know, even though Chiefs defense, I think, was fine without Chris Jones. But, like, hey, you need a guy out there to get pressure on on Jared Goff. And I think that kind of showed that he was at the game. And so, now that he's back with a new big one-year contract, he's back, ready to go. And hopefully also Kelsey is ready to go for week number two to really kind of help out. You know, was really missing the Chiefs receivers. I mean, we kind of talked about that, me and Rebecca, and talked about these receivers. I mean, there's just a, a cascade of drops. I made a meme about it. It was like, it, it was true, but like the Chiefs and Vols receivers kind of had similar games last week. And which is like they had a case of the drop skis and just was really unfortunate. You know, Kadarius Tony had a couple big time drops that he should have had. Uh, Rasheed Rice, he did have a touchdown, but he had a, he also had a couple drops. It's just like, you know, really kind of showed like Holmes was kind of miss, missing Kelsey in this game. And so hopefully he's going to have him back in week two. And hopefully he's going to be back because I need him in fantasy. <laughs> It, it was a gut punch to have that happen. It was like, you got to be kidding me. The one time I take Kelsey, he's out. Sure. So hopefully he's back, ready to go, and uh, can help the Chiefs get back to one, get back a win and get to one on one. And, you know, again, give props to the Lions. They went to Arrowhead, knocked off the defending champs in week one. So other games in week one that uh, we should talk about Cowboys and 49ers probably look like the two best teams in the league this past weekend. Uh, 49ers going to Pittsburgh and absolutely <laughs> killing the Steelers. Uh, 30-7. to seven. I mean, Purdy looked pretty well. McCaffrey had himself a day, 150 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, he had himself a game with 129 yards and two touchdowns as well. And, you know, 49ers offensive, offensive line held up pretty well, created holes for McCaffrey. Uh, Brock Purdy did take a couple sacks in this game, but overall was pretty good. And this one, two touchdown passes. Uh, Debo Samuel, 55 yards for him on five catches. But yeah, really much, pretty much Ayuk and McCaffrey were the stars on offense. Then on defense, Pickett got sacked five times, threw a couple picks. That 49ers defense looked really well. Drake Jackson had three of those sacks. And if you're a 49ers fan, that's got to be pretty promising for him, for a young player like him. 
Hargrave had himself a sack as well. And so the new guy got himself a big-time sack in this game. But 49ers, they look like a really well-oiled machine early on in week one. And so they look like one of the best teams right now in week one. And then the Cowboys, I mean, my oh my, they absolutely slaughtered the Giants on national TV. And they were just doing anything they wanted to, defense, offense, pretty much, you name it, they were doing it. They got whatever they wanted to. And, you know, second half, slowed up a little bit, scored only 14 points, but they were leading 26 to nothing at halftime. And Dak didn't have any touchdown passes in this one and really kind of didn't need to. Uh, Was 13 to 24, 143 yards, didn't take any sacks, so that's good for him. Uh, C.D. Lamb. Uh, 77 yards on four catches. And Brandon Cooks had a little bit of an impact, but not too much. But the running game, uh, you got Tony Pollard with 70 yards and two touchdowns on the day. Yeah, you, you got Turpin having a rushing touchdown as well. But uh, I mean, my oh my. I mean, Daniel Jones just had a too so much pressure in his face. Uh, was not able to get anything going. 104 yards passing, 15 to 28. Uh, seven sacks. <laughs> I mean, we talked about that Dallas pass rush, Michael Parsons, Lawrence, and like all and everybody else, and talked about how good they were going to be. And man, they they were killing it. Uh, oh, did you zoo, uh, Maybe I got that one right. Had two sacks. Dorrance Armstrong. We talked about him. He had two sacks. Michael Parsons had a sack. Uh, Chauncey Golston had himself a sack. Uh, who else? DeMarcus Lawrence had himself a sack. It's just like everybody was getting in. There's a sack party uh, for the Cowboys, and they were just uh, making a lot of plays, and they, they kept on telling the Giants to keep on throwing the ball and all that stuff. And uh, they got themselves a couple turnovers as well, including one from uh, new addition, Stephon Gilmore. But, I mean, they were causing so much havoc for this Giants offense. They could not get anything going. Offensive line was being harassed all day long. And Daniel Jones just seeing, a, you know, either Parsons, Lawrence, Armstrong, or somebody else in his face all day long. And uh, it was just, uh, it was rough. You know, and also, you know, there's a lot of fumbles as well. <laughs> um, Daniel Jones had a couple of fumbles. Uh, he had a couple other players that had some fumbles as well. Only one of them was lost. But, I mean, still. And then that, the Giants' defense just couldn't get anything going. And you would hope that you would see more out of some guys like Dexter Lawrence and Savion Thibodeau, but just didn't. Leonard Williams had himself a quiet day. So it just was not a good day at all for the Giants. But if you're a Cowboys fan, it's a pretty big statement win in week one uh, with how well that defense played. But, yeah, 49ers and Cowboys look like absolute beast. In the week one. As far as other games, uh, Falcons, Panthers, we picked that one in week one, and Falcons end up winning at that one. And I know Bijan got himself a touchdown. Bryce Young, Bryce Young had himself a touchdown. Tyler Algier had himself a couple touchdowns. Uh, Falcons end up winning that one 24 to 10. And then a couple others to talk about. Let's see, Jaguars, Colts, uh, Hope. Richardson is good to go for week two uh, because had a pretty bad injury at the end of that, that one. Jaguars came back, though, uh, 
having scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to win that one 31-21 ETN. And Bixby, the rookie, running game was pretty strong for Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, an all right game, 241 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Kyle really had himself a big day coming back, eight catches, 101 yards and a touchdown. But Jaguars move on to 1-0. Colts move to 0-1. Next up, you have the Titans at Saints. And man, man. I, 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 <laughs> all I got to say is I hope they're ready to stop this Chargers offense on Sunday. Um, Man. They, they had some good moments. The defense kept them in games. There's just this offense, you know. No, there's a couple of frustrating moments. I mean, it started off so well with the fumble at the start of the game. And then, yeah, the false start, taking Derrick Henry out the game. I will say, I do like the, you know, passing more on first down a little bit. You know, I think I saw the pass and run splits on first down. They were pretty about even. So, as a fan, I like it. It's just like execution, you know. The play calls, cool. Just like execution and how things go. Um, so hopefully Derrick Henry gets more involved in week two, as he should. And uh hopefully no stupid false start penalties. And Tannehill, that that was not a great showing. And just like he had a couple throws that should have absolutely been picked. But uh yeah, it was uh it was not a fun game uh at all. It had a couple good pa- fantasy performances from guys on in this game, but other than that, I mean, it, it was not good. But Saints, if you're a Derek Carr fan, if you're a Saints fan, it was a good first showing, pr- pretty much. Like to cut down the sacks a little bit. He did take a couple from the Titans defense. They did have a pick, but three for over 300 yards and got the Saints the one point victory. So moving on from that one, 49ers, Steelers, Packers at Bears, you know. I think we got to give props to Jordan Love and what he was able to do in this game with a lot of these young receivers. The running game did help with Dylan and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones himself a pretty big game in this one. But you got to give props to Jordan Love. Three touchdown passes, 245 yards passing. And, you know, there's some questions. I mean, he was 15-27. Uh did only take one sack, so that was good. But, you know, you got to give him his props. He did pretty solid for his first real game of starting action as the Packers' number one guy at quarterback. And uh, he did pretty good. The defense also did pretty good as well. Forcing a, a Justin Fields interception, forcing a fumble from Fields as well. And so, you know, the Bears, you know, there's a lot of hype heading into that game. The crowd was buzzing. But it kind of really died down there uh, later on. And, you know, in the Packers, it started their dominance in 138-20. to 20 And were able to make a lot of plays. They had four sacks as well. Had seven tackles for loss. So they were able to make a lot of different plays. And so you hope that the momentum the Bears had heading to that game doesn't head into week two. And you know, if you're the Packers, Jordan Love is able to keep what he was doing in week one. They, he can keep that going on into week number two, and maybe that can be the start of something. So Packers get the NFC North win there. Broncos, Raiders, you know, this is, I think, another one-point game as well. 
that ended up going in the Raiders' favor, 17 to 16. Not not that huge a game as far as like what happened. Jacoby Myers did have a good game in his Raiders debut with two touchdowns on 81 yards and nine catches. And that's a Raiders' seventh win over the Broncos. <laughs> so Raiders got a little bit of a streak there going on against the Broncos. So they spoil Sean Payton's debut. Then heading into L.A. with the Chargers and the Dolphins. And, I mean, these teams were firing on all, all cylinders offensive on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, there was not a whole lot of it <laughs> with the, with this one. And uh, it being a 36-34 a win for the Dolphins. And Tua just looked outstanding, 466 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, his connection with Tyreek Hill. I mean, it, if Tua can stay healthy, he and Tyreek can have a really dynamic connection this year. Tyreek had 215 yards. Two touchdowns, 11 catches, just had himself a day. The running game, not a whole lot of it, only 20 carries. And uh, it's kind of weird to see that out of a Mike McDaniel run offense. Uh, but they passed the ball a whole lot. And this one, too, had 45 attempts, but had himself a really good day. Uh, did have a fumble, that a couple fumbles. He did lose one. But other than that, uh, they did pretty well. Defense, uh, I mean, they're Pretty much wasn't any defense, if any. Uh, Justin Herbert only had one passing touchdown and was 23-33 for 229 yards. Uh, did have three sacks. Big playmaker of the day, Austin Eckler, who had 117 yards on the ground with 16 carries. Joshua Kelly had a pretty solid day as well. 16 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown on the ground as well. So these teams were trying to outscore each other, and it was, uh, you know, you have to see a little bit more of the passing attack with Kellen Moore there. I think uh, heading into week two against the Titans, that's hopefully something you see if you're a Chargers fan and uh, hopefully see a win as well. So a uh, high-scoring game at SoFi with the Dolphins going on top and winning that one, heading to 1-0. And then we got the Monday night game, and we got to talk about this one for a little bit. Bills at Jets, and a couple different reasons to talk about it. And let's talk about from the Bills side of things first. I mean, there were a lot – of course, we addressed it here, questions about the Bills and them heading into the season. We talked about the boomer bust potential of this, uh, this team and this division, in all honesty. And, man, I, it really kind of showed up here in week one. It's probably going to show its, its way in week two and weeks beyond with what happened with the Jets. But, I mean, Josh Allen had a lot of turnovers in this game. Had three picks. And as far as the fumbles, I have to take a look at how how many he had. He had two fumbles and he did lose one. So he had four turnovers by himself. A couple could have been avoided. And so you're concerned about that. Had five sacks. And only threw for a touchdown. Running game wasn't all that great. He was the second leader rusher with only 36 yards. So it wasn't a great day for Josh Allen and really kind of probably heightened some of the reasons why a lot of people are worried about the Bills heading into this year. And that window is closing rather quickly for him. Then for the Jets, all the excitement with Aaron Rodgers and four snaps in. Keeley's done for the season. 
really wild. It really kind of probably took the sales, uh, it kind of took the win out of their sales with all that excitement. And he had the Giants getting blown out the night before, but you got the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and them potentially being contenders for the in the AFC this year. Gets hurt, four snaps in, and only attempts one pass. Gets sacked. Uh, gets and got pressured on all of those snaps, and is done for the season. Really kind of remarkable. I think something like not too similar to, but something close has happened in '99 with Testaverde, I believe I read, in which they were favored and they went on to go like a eight or something like that that season. Man, it was an amazing win for the Jets. Don't get don't get me wrong. Amazing win for the Jets. Zach Wilson came in, does a so-so job. 14 to 21, 141 yards, touchdown, and a pick, and a couple sacks. But, you know, he had help. The defense really helped himself out with being able to pressure Josh Allen, get some turnovers. Uh, Brees Hall really helped himself out. And I was kind of surprised about his workload. Uh, in this game, he did have ten carries in this game, and Dalvin did have more, but Dalvin didn't did a lot less with the the carries he got. Brees Hall had himself a, a big run of eighty three yards. So, I mean, obviously help him out, but one hundred twenty seven yards, pretty good day for Brees Hall. And then receiving wise, Alan Lazard had a couple of important catches, and Garrett Wilson had a really important catch, a really great catch for a touchdown that was remarkable with how constant his concentration on that play and securing the touchdown. But man, I mean, I know that some people might not like Rodgers and what all has transpired over the last year. Do feel kind of bad for him with what's happened. Looked like he was ready to go with a fresh new start. And, uh, and this happens. I mean, I know some are wondering, you know, is he done? I mean, he's 39 years old. I wouldn't say that. I mean, Rodgers isn't the most mobile guy. And, you know, he, again, he did. I, it's a counterpoint that got pressured on, again, on all those snaps. And the Jets offensive line was a question mark heading into this season. So, I don't know. I do think he will try to give it another go. But I do wonder. I mean. 39, Achilles injury. But, I mean, if it was a more mobile quarterback, then it would be like, uh, well, that's really going to hurt him. So, I don't know. I do I do think we'll see him back. But, man, does it hurt. It, it, it hurts for Jets fans not to have him this year when, like, you got an awesome defense. A lot of the players from last year coming back. Jordan Whitehead, speaking of him, had himself a game, had three picks in this game himself. In fact, you know, shout out to him. His, I think he had an incentive about getting three picks, and he covered that all in this one game. So, you know, shout out to him. But, I mean, man, for the Jets fans, you got to feel like you saw what happened with the Bills and like, okay, well, Maybe we can be the second team here. And then you see what happened with, with the Dolphins and them doing well in their first game. Man. And so now if you're the Jets, what do you do at quarterback? Do you have Zach Wilson man the position for the rest of the season? We've seen that story before. 
So, like, what do you do? Do you go out and find somebody on the market, free agency? You know, Carson Wentz, or, you know, somebody? I don't know. Oh, man. But at least for now, it does sound like it's going to be Zach Wilson. And uh, we'll see how that story goes. But, uh, ah, man, it, it was a great win. I mean, shout out to Gibson for having that punt return. Um, and, of course, he's seen the story on Hard Knocks. And seeing like, hey, you made the team, and then you have this happen uh, this week with him winning the game for the Jets in overtime. That's remarkable. But, I mean, the Aaron Rodgers injury does kind of overshadow things and like how that went. I mean, again, despite however you feel about the guy, you kind of feel bad for what happened with him and just like four snaps in. I mean, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know, it, and knowing how you guys hear me talk about my luck with my teams, like, I couldn't even imagine that happening to like somebody on my team that early on. I mean, I could, but it's just like, I'm glad it hasn't happened yet. But man, talk about a, a rough start to the season for the Jets, despite the win. Again, it just shows kind of the boom or bust potential of this division that we kind of talked about. And Dolphins are leading it now, but the only team besides the Jets that won, and of course the Patriots lost to the Eagles. But now, Dolphins, I feel, I think you got to feel pretty good about it. If Tua can stay healthy, you got to feel pretty good. With the Bills not looking all that great against the Jets, and then you had the Jets not having Aaron Rodgers the rest of the way, got to feel pretty good about that, I think, if you're a Dolphins fan. And I believe that's the all of Week 1's game. Uh, so let's head on to Week 2, and let's talk about the game tonight with the Vikings and Eagles. And Eagles are going to be without a couple guys in this one, Bradbury is not going to be good to go for this one, as well as the safety Blankenship. He's not going to be good to go for this game as well. And I believe Kenneth Gainwell is not good to go either for this game. So Eagles are missing a key few guys, a key, a key few guys here. Garrett Bradbury is also not playing for the Vikings in this one. He's out the center. So new guy there. And also a couple, another guy that's questionable, Fletcher Cox for the Eagles. The Kobe Dean is on the IR for the Eagles. So a lot of guys are hurt uh, for this one. And Vikings, they end up losing to the Cardinals. So, hey, you know, shout out to Josh Dobbs. <laughs> uh, but Vikings, uh, 0-1, they really need to get a win here against Philly. Uh, in Philly, they looked good. Um, there was a couple lackluster moments that, Patriots did look pretty solid, but in, but you know end up getting the loss against the Eagles, and so Eagles are going to try to fight off uh, some uh, you know lackluster stuff they had in Week One. But I mean it's Week One, you know some teams look great like the 49ers and Cowboys, and then you got your defending NFC champs and the Eagles that like okay yeah Week One let's move on to Week Two and let's forget about Week One and try to build off a, a win. Uh, so Eagles, you know, I think I'll take them in their home opener. But I do wonder if not having Bradbury and Blankenship in the secondary is going to hurt the Eagles. I wonder if that's going to hurt. You know, you got to guard Justin, Justin Jefferson out there. So I I wonder if uh, that's going to put more pressure on Darius Slay and that secondary to uh, really make sure he does his job well tonight. So. I will take the Eagles. They are favorites in this game, six-point favorites at home. 
So uh, I will take the Eagles to win this one. Raiders at Bills in this one. I talked about a crucial game for the Bills uh, early on in the season. They need this one. Uh, They need that home crowd to be rocking at Buffalo and uh, really get off to a good start in this one. They can't have the turnovers they had in the week one. or Otherwise, it's going to be the same story. Fortunately, they come out pretty healthy. Raiders do have a couple guys that are on the injury report as questionable, but I imagine some of them are going to play, like Devontae Adams, Garoppolo. I imagine they're going to be they're going to be good to go. So, I I do think I'll take the Bills here, but you know what? I'm not as confident in it as you know I probably would have been a couple weeks ago after seeing them playing Week One. My confidence is shaking a little bit in them. I will take them though, but don't feel all that great about it. Ravens and Bengals, you know, speaking of a couple things with these two teams that we didn't talk about, uh, feel bad for J.K. Dobbins, man. Man, I hate that for him. And so now he's going to miss the rest of the season. So Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, they're going to be the main two guys of that rushing attack now, it seems like, uh, along with the more, obviously. And then the Bengals, I mean, what happened? Against the Browns. I'm kind of shocked. And, of course, that it kind of frustrated me because T. Higgins had a goose egg for fantasy. So, I mean, if you're a Bengals fan, you really hope that they uh, they find a way to get the win here and uh, score more than three points. And Burrow, I believe, got sat and got, got benched uh, in that game against the Browns. So, Bengals, they're a three-point favorite right now. Uh, I, oh boy, I honestly don't know. This one kind of does feel like a coin flip. Uh, Marcus Williams is going to be out for this game. Don't want, like to see that. Ryan Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, Mark Andrews are questionable. Uh, Andrews didn't play last week and don't know if he's going to play this week. And then Cincinnati's, they got a couple guys that are questionable as well. <sighs> Screw it. I'm going to take the Bengals here. Probably my confidence level is not that great on this one as well. Uh, probably about the same as is with the Bills. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Bengals here. Seahawks in line. Seahawks lost to, to the Rams last week. Uh, kind of a shocker here in losing to them on the at home, no less. And uh, not how you want to start off your season. And so now they're facing – a Lions team at their home place that's coming off a win against the Chiefs. Going to have a pretty good crowd, I assume. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites. So this is a big one for the Seahawks and make sure they don't move the 0-2. Uh, oh and, and right now, looking at the Seahawks, they got a couple guys that are questionable. Abraham Lucas, the offensive tackle, is on IR. Charles Cross is questionable. They could really set up the Lions to go 2-0, and, oh, and you know what? I'll take the Lions to go 2-0. Give, give me the Lions. Next one up, Chargers at Titans. I don't know if I need any analysis for this one. I think I'll take the Chargers. I just I just don't know it anymore with this team. And I know it's only week one, but it's just like, I don't know anymore. It's frustrating. So I'll take the Chargers here. I mean, no real analysis there, but... I mean, what's what's a line here? The Titans favored or Chargers favored? Chargers are favored by three, so I think it's pretty safe to say take the Chargers. 
So that's where I'm going. Next up, we got the Chiefs and Jaguars. It's going to be nice to have Chris Jones for this game and maybe Travis Kelsey too. Uh, Jaguars kind of a lackluster game against the Colts and they had to have a comeback to go and win. And, uh, you know, I think I'll take the Chiefs here. I think I'll take the Chiefs to go on the road, go to Jacksonville, get a win there. But, man, oh, man, would it be a big one for Jacksonville to win this one, start off 2-0 and get a win over the Chiefs and put them in an 0-2 hole uh, really early on in the season. But I'm going to take the Chiefs here. I don't think they start off 0-2. I think they'll get a win here, go to Jacksonville, get the win, and get the season underway in week three and try to get things really going then. Jets of Cowboys, this one looked a lot more fun a week ago, and now I'm wondering if the Cowboys don't do the same thing they did to the Jets like they did to the Giants. Uh, maybe not quite like that. Maybe the Jets will show a little bit more fight here. But uh, I think this Cowboys defense, I think it is for real. Um, I think they were for real last year. I think they're for real this year. They're nine-point favorites at home at Jerry World. Yeah, I'm going Cowboys here. Next up, we have the Patriots and Dolphins. And you know, again, the Patriots put up a little bit of a fight against the Eagles last week. Whether that whether that's the Eagles being rusty, we'll find out. But Miami, they're three-point favorites on the road. This is Sunday night football. And we'll have to see if the Patriots have an answer to stop Tua and Tyreek after the performances they had last weekend. And talking about the Patriots' defense last year, they were great, but there were a couple games against high-profile offenses that they struggled with. And I, I think that trend stays here this weekend. I think they'll have a tough time with Tua and Tyreek and Waddle, and I think the Dolphins will end up winning. Monday Night Football, we got two Monday Night games this week. First up, we got the Saints going to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Bryce Young's second game ever is going to be on national TV on Monday Night Football. and uh, You hope for a better performance out of him in week number one. Uh, You saw the Saints defense. Again, don't know how much of that was just the Titans offense just being, yeah, you know, and Tannehill just, like, not having a great game. Uh, But maybe the Saints can capitalize on a lot more uh, turnovers this week than they had. They did have a couple. They did have three interceptions, but you know maybe they can capitalize on them a little bit more and put points on the board and, and get touchdowns and not field goals. Um, which last week there's only one touchdown scored and the Saints scored it. So maybe they can score a little bit more this week. And uh, you know what? I think I will. I think I'll take the Saints here to win this one. There's a couple guys that are questionable, doubtful for. Uh, both sides. The Saints are a three-point favorite on the road. I think I'll take the Saints here to uh, knock off the Panthers in uh, week number two in Bryce Young's uh, first Monday night football game. Might not be the last, but uh, we'll have to see uh, how he goes. Maybe he has a better game this week. Browns at Steelers. Uh, of course, the Browns, uh, really kind of shocking how well they played against Cincinnati uh, the week before. And Nick Chubb had himself a pretty decent day. Defense had himself a pretty good day against the against the Bengals. Again, was able to shut down T. Higgins, and that really kind of screwed me over. Uh, but I think I will. Oh man, I didn't. Hmm, I didn't expect to have any problems with this one. 
I, I really don't know. Obviously, for the Browns, Jack Conklin being put on the IR, his season being done, that's going to hurt. Cameron Hayward, him being out, that's really going to hurt. So, Steelers' defense line is going to get is hurt a little bit. Browns' offense line is hurt a little bit. Uh, Deontay Johnson is doubtful, doubtful for this game, so that might not be great. Friermuth is questionable. So, I mean, that everybody's getting banged up pretty early on here. And, uh, you know, it is a home game for the Steelers. You know, screw it. I'll, I'll take the Steelers here. I'll, I'll take them to get a win here. Uh, so I'll take them to get a win at, uh, you know, I forget what the field is called now. So, <laughs> so I'll take the Steelers here to win the second Monday night football game over the Browns. And that will do it. For this pod, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, uh, grateful to have you all be a part of our day here and checking out what's going on in the world of sports. It's great to have football back, and uh, we're going to be really in the thick of things here with college football heading to week three and NFL heading to week two. So excited about that. There's thing getting going on again and fantasy as well, despite me going on to this past week. Uh, really great to have everything back and going in the world of football. So uh, hopefully you guys will tune in with us each and every week as we talk about what happens in both the college ranks and the pro ranks. So uh, be sure to go check us out. Again, where you guys get your podcast, subscribe, turn on notifications, YouTube channel, Bison 3 Podcast, turn on notifications for that as well. Check us, check out our videos there. Leave a like, share with friends, all that good stuff. Check us out on Twitter as well at 573 podcast check me out at ryan views 573 and i believe that is everything so with that being said everybody hopefully you guys have a good rest of your day have a good weekend and we'll talk to you all next week